You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. We call it slicking the bean, choking the chicken, giving yourself a hand, auditioning finger puppets. There's a million and one names for the old five-finger shuffle, and yet hundreds of millions of people are unable to sauce the taco due to disability, aging, or illness. That's where we come in, if you'll pardon the phrase. At Bumpin', we've created the world's first accessible sex toy, so people with limited mobility, hand issues, and disabilities can celebrate Palm Sunday just like everyone else. If you agree that everyone deserves sexual pleasure, help us spread the self-love and fund an orgasm for those in need. Give the gift of the big O at getbumpin.com. That's G-E-T-B-U-M-P-N dot com. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Hey, Kristen. I'm okay, but if I'm really honest, I haven't been doing super great lately. I'm kind of super, really, really down. Oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. What? Well, you and I talk all the time. We talk every day. And you know I've been thinking about going to therapy, but I've been mm-hmm. to therapists before, and I'm afraid that a therapist wouldn't understand all my disability stuff. And you know how much I love talking about disability, right? Yeah, I hear you have, like, a whole podcast about it. Right. I mean, I talk about it all the time, everywhere. And I'm just worried that I don't want to explain to a therapist, like, what is ableism? What is disability? Like, I don't want to do that before we get into my stuff, you know? Yeah, that's fair. You shouldn't have to, like, fully educate a therapist before starting a therapeutic process. And I think that's really hard because, honestly, you deserve support from someone who gets it. You get it? You're You're my best friend. You get it? What do you think I should do? I mean, I think you should find a disability-informed support person to help you work through this. If anyone listening to this is interested, I'm actually offering disability-informed support for $40 per session. Whoa, whoa, $40 a session? That's super cheap. The last time I checked, one session was like over 100 bucks. But we can still talk about disability stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, everything from, like, physical changes in your body to ableism and exploring internalized ableism, grief that comes with disability, chronic pain, all that good, terrible stuff that so many of us live It's so fun, isn't it? It's like so it's great. It's the best, yes. And I, I know you also do, you also offer support for non-disabled people too, right? Yeah, I do support for able-bodied and non-disabled people as well because really, I mean, Everyone gets sick or experiences illness or vulnerability at some time in their life. And while that's a different experience than living with chronic disability, I think it's all very related. And if you're going through any sort of life change where you're having grief related to bodily change or body difference, I'm more than happy to support you with that as well. I think everybody deserves and needs affordable support. I think that it's such a great thing you're offering and I want to make sure that all the lovely listeners of Disability After Dark can reach you. How do they do that? Okay, well, right now they can reach me by email. It's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, dot Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S, one zero at gmail.com. And you can email me there to ask me questions or uh, let me know if you'd like more information, or you can go straight to booking a support session with me. Awesome. Well, I, I can't... 
I can't speak any more highly of this amazing thing. I'm so excited that there's finally disability-centered support for stuff like ableism and for stuff like internalized ableism and all the stuff that we go through that we never get to talk about. And thank you so much for offering it and for putting yourself out there, Kristen. Aw, thanks, Andrew. I hope you feel better soon. Me too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonapussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone of willy or clone of pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own Clona Willy or Clona Pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on episode 309 of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your deliciously disabled daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Let us get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, shall we? Just a quick shout out, if you want to support the program, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month or more if that works for your budget or even a yearly amount if that works for you. You can do that at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. I would love your support also in any kind of reviews you want to leave wherever you get your podcasts. That would mean a lot. But let's get started to the show today. On the show today, this is my last interview with a while because we're just about to go into Great Flicks and Joysticks month, 
which starts September, which starts next week when you listen to this. Um, and I cannot wait to do that. The first film that I'm going to review is Crip Camp. I've been promising to review this film on this show for years and just never got around to it. So now I'm finally going to do it and it comes out next Saturday. But today on the show, I sit down and I revisit an interview that I did back in November with my new friend Autumn Tompkins, who labels herself the Grumpy Grammarian. And we talk about so many different things here. We talk about disability. We talk about her experience as a copywriter and how she works for herself. We talk about ableism in the job market and so much more here. I listened back to the first 20 minutes and the phrase different quadrants in my soul made me laugh my head off. So I think you, when you listen to this, you'll hear how funny and how personable and how grumpy Autumn Tompkins actually is. But I loved sitting down with her. It was such a fun interview and I cannot wait to bring it to you. So without further ado, here's my interview with my new friend, Autumn Tompkins, a.k.a. The Grumpy Grammarian, right here on Disability After Dark. I was having a spasm when I redid that intro. Let me try that again. Let me try that one more time. So, without further ado, here's my interview with The Grumpy Grammarian, Autumn Tompkins, right here on Disability After Dark. Autumn Tompkins, hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to have you on today. I'm so excited and thank you for being here. Um, just before we start, actually, well, we no, what, what, what am I saying? We're starting. <laughs> As we're starting, um, I just want to thank you for being so flexible with, you know, I think we changed our date a couple of times, possibly, did we? I think once or twice, yeah. I'm, we might have, uh, so, you know, life happens, right? Yeah, disability life is, is a real thing. But I just want to thank you for being so flexible with that. And I looked over your website this morning before I put the questions in. And you go by the Grumpy Grammarian online, which I loved right away. I was like, this is amazing. Um, tell me a little bit about where that name came from. Oh, I am... Um, how do I want to say it without sounding terrible? I am the grumpy grammarian. I'm not grumpy about grammar, more as I'm grumpy about awkward social situations. So I spent a lot of time in the hospital uh, when I was a kid growing up. And yeah. it kind of made me, it made me grumpy. Uh, you know, you couldn't have birthday parties in the hospital. And, you know, I liked uh to stay at the hospital during holidays and my birthday. And that's just kind of when I got sick. So the grumpy grammarian just came about because I decided to embrace a part of my personality that um, it helps me be more of a critical thinker. And then people get the best of my abilities because I'm not sugarcoating shit. I'm not, you know, oh, life is wonderful. I go with the ebbs and the flows. So we, you know, as disabled people, we have to have a uh, what I call a coping mechanism. 
and my grumpy attitude is my coping mechanism. And I think that, I think that's really awesome because I think so many disabled people, myself included, will want to, even without thinking about it, we want to sugarcoat the thing because it's just easier to put a smile on and it's easier to be happy and it's easier to just swallow it down. And I like that you're kind of going the other way being like, well, no, it's not. I'm going to be grumpy because that's how I feel right now. Kind of like, do you, do you remember the Care Bears from like 30 years ago? Yes. Like, you know, I can't remember what the, what, wasn't he like Grumpy Bear? Was it Grumpy Bear? Who was the, yeah. yeah. One was some sort of, they had a, some like sort a, of attitude a, like that. A rain cloud or something. He was like really mad all the yeah. time. Yeah. That one. I always, I always felt akin to that bear because I was like, oh, he, he doesn't care that he's, so, and also like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I was like, oh, we're friends. Like I, so like, I like that you've decided that this is a part of your personality. And I like how that you also as a disabled person talk about that a little bit because it's important. So speaking of that, as a disabled person, can you introduce, before we get to your disabilities, can you just introduce yourself a little bit more? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do as the Grumpy Grammarian. Sure. So um, I'm Autumn Thompson. Uh, branded myself the grumpy grammarian. Um, I, so I am a copy editor. I do copy editing for copywriters, um, not copywriters as in lawyers that do trademarking and things, but people who sell using the written word for marketing purposes. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so I don't go through with a red pen and, you know, markup typos. That is so, uh, you know, third grade English class. What I do is I go through and I help people make what they write more clear, more concise, and more compelling. So what I like to say is that in advertising, sex sells. In marketing, stories sell. And I help copywriters and other business owners tell better stories that's awesome and you know it's funny that you say sex sells because i am starting a sex toy brand about sex and disability called bumping it's so awesome i saw and that it does success sell and also this by the same token like my sister and i can tell you that the story sells so learning to craft a story around disability and sexuality and learning to craft like the something that's going to tug at people's heartstrings and also get them to open their wallets, but also get them to like notice you're a person. It's a big, it's a big job to make something shiny and, and, and bright and palatable. Also, did you, do did you find that this, like, did you fall into copywriting or did you, were you always passionate about it as a kid or like that kind of stuff? Oh, it is a long story. Okay. I'm ready. So, um, brace yourself. Yes. I uh, graduated college with my bachelor's degree in 2007, and shortly before I graduated, I was offered a job working with the Department of Defense. Um, Ooh, fancy. I know, right? I was so, I was enamored with the idea that somebody wanted to hire a disabled person um, before they even graduated college. And I was so excited 
I didn't even go to my college graduation because I graduated on a, on a Friday. Uh, the ceremony was a Saturday and I had to start my first day of work on a Monday. So I skipped my graduation. I, you know, started making big plans. You know, I was going to move up the ladder and all that good stuff. And it was about two weeks into it where one of my coworkers said, you're doing such a great job. And I thought, I've only been here two weeks. I have not made yeah. any sort of impact. And then I took a look around the office and go, I'm the only person in a wheelchair. I'm the only person with a physical disability. Um, I love my coworkers, but I asked one of them, I said, you know, uh, why did you guys decide to hire me and not someone else? Well, that's a big, that's a like, that's, that takes balls. Wow. Yeah. That's, I am a, I am a blunt and very honest person. And, uh, <laughs> I, you, uh, you are the grumpy grammarian. I mean, uh, I wouldn't expect anything less. That's exactly it. I see. I've been a grump my whole life. And I, uh, I hate to look at everything so cynically and so critically, but my coworker goes, well, you did look around the office, right? And you do notice that we have no one here with a physical disability. And oh. I said, well, I thought, and they said, we looked at different resumes. We looked at different students, but you were our, our first choice and we do respect you. But you do have to realize that we really needed someone. Oh no! Allow our record. Yeah, it was terrible. So, um, in a twist of fate, in late 2008, there were mass layoffs, and I was one of the last people hired. I was one of the first people let go. So. After that, I tried to find another job in corporate America. I could not. I thought, well, the solution is go and get your master's degree. I did that. I went on a fast track to your plan, found some odd jobs in between, but nothing that I could make work. Yeah. And so I was talking to a recruiter and I said you know I have all this experience all this education why can't I find a job and they said I'll, I'll be honest with you and that's when I know it's always going to be a bad answer yeah um is they said that um because I have a master's degree and I've worked for the Department of Defense a lot of other corporate jobs, the hiring managers are going to think that I'm not trainable, that I'm going to be set in my ways and do things the way that I want to do them. So, you know, that was kind of a little bit of crushed me a little bit. Yeah. So I said, you know what, I'm, instead of me waiting for someone to choose me, I'm going to choose myself. I'm going to start my own business. What am I good at? Um, I was good at writing. So I thought, you know, where's the the career field where I could make the most money writing? 
And that's how I fell into copywriting. Um, I did that for five years and I got burnt out. Uh, writing from scratch I killed like every brain cell I have because I, oh, I was so stressed out. I, you know, I, I don't cry about much, but there was one person I could not please. Uh, three different rewrites and I, I literally closed my notebook and I cried for about an hour. And I said, okay, if I don't want to write from scratch anymore, what am I going to do? And someone said, well, uh, as a matter of fact, one of my a business coach that I had hired, and she said, then why don't you edit if you don't like to write from scratch? And I went, it's perfect. It's genius. Thank you so much. <laughs> Brilliant. And she said, so what are you going to call yourself? And I said, well, you know, I'm a grump from back in the day. And she said, well, why not the grumpy grammarian? Then? Oh, my God. I love it so much. Yeah, It's like a villain origin story, right? I'm so yeah. obsessed. <laughs> I'm here for the comic book version of the grumpy grammarian as like the villain that's going to thwart some other disabled character in some comic book. I'm here for that. Somebody yeah. needs to make that a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Did you, did you, first of all, the fact that this job, the fact that the job you had told you that you were their quota hire, like, don't tell you that. Make up a lie and be like, you know, just, no, like, no, but oh, that's so rough. But then the fact that you turn that into, like, something for yourself and you turned all that, like, the people that you couldn't please into something for yourself as a disabled person, like, that's really cool because it shows that we have fucking tenacity and we're like, I'm going to do it because I, because not even tenacity, just survival skills. You're like, I need the money. So what am I going to do to feed myself this week? That's exactly it. And I, everybody goes, oh, well, the gurus, you know, they, they spew that you need to go after what you're passionate about. And if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. It's like, that's a load of shit. That's such a load of crap. That's a load as also a self-starter and an entrepreneur. Like I love what I do, but I fucking hate working on it sometimes. That's exactly it. I go, you know, this is such bullshit. All I want to do is pay my taxes and buy pretty things. Yeah, yeah. How am I going to make this work? All I want to do is pay my taxes, have great sex with a sex worker occasionally, and feed myself this week. Is that like what? (laughs) And sometimes I don't want to give the same speech that I gave last week about how sex and disability is so awesome. But I do it because it's my job. Exactly. Like, people don't realize, and it's like, I'm sure sometimes you edit, and you're like, oh, fuck. This is not what I want to do today, but here, like. That's exactly how I wake up every day, and I have a mantra when I wake up. The sky is blue, the grass is green, you will not be an evil thing. And some mornings, I wake up, and I choose, you know, like, don't, Autumn, you're not going to choose violence today. Listen, You're going to do your listen. best. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes violence is okay. It's all right. Sometimes it's all right. That's exactly. I just, but you're absolutely right. Some days I wake up and I go, this is a bunch of shit. I'm going to throw my computer in the garbage and run away. And then <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, I'm really not. But but I want to for like one hour. And then after an hour, I'll figure it out. Yes. 
Um, so we went off on a giant tangent there, but I don't care. It was fun. Uh, for people who are like, who is Autumn? Who is the Grumpy Grammarian? Can you tell me, Autumn, what are your disabilities and how do they impact your day to day? Sure, absolutely. Um, again, a very long story. Um, when I was born, I, uh, it was obvious that I had muscle weak, weakness. Um, I was born, I did not cry. Uh, I was very limp, like a rag doll. And I like to joke that I didn't cry, not because I didn't have the muscle tone and the strength to cry, but because I was like, Jesus Christ, here we fucking go again. Um, so, yeah. So, I was diagnosed at birth with a congenital myopathy, just general muscle weakness. Between the ages of birth and nine, I was diagnosed with um, spinal muscular atrophy, uh, Weirdnick-Hoffman's disease, um, even one called Stickman syndrome, because I'm so pathetically thin. Um, eventually, when I was became nine, and they did several muscle biopsies, they decided that I had muscular dystrophy, but they couldn't pinpoint a form. So they go, you know, we think this is what you have. We're not really sure, but there is definitely something wrong with you. So, no, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't SMA a form of muscular dystrophy? It is, but they were able to rule that out through the muscle biopsy. Okay. Yeah. So they just kept throwing diagnoses at me, then hoping one of them stuck. Um, That's a fun game, isn't it? I'm sure it was it, real fun for you and your family. Real fun. So, so fun. And, um, Unfortunately, when I was younger, because of this severe muscle weakness, um, I ended up with scoliosis. Um, me too. Hey. No, right? It's like a club. Really and uh, I ended up with titanium rods in my back. They go the whole length. We're talking me like 22. Yeah. And you just go. Well, welcome to the shit show. I mean, it's it's How old were you when you had the the fusion? Uh, I was nine. Oh fuck, you were nine. I was nine. I had to give up horseback riding. It was my favorite thing to do. Um, the hypotherapy that that helped keep me loose and keep me walking for as long as I could, uh, because I never used a wheelchair until I ended up with the the spinal fusion so i went you know this is just this is just makes me mad um so that's really that really was like the like start of your grump your grumpness are growing there (laughs) you're like fuck my soul um (laughs) i ended up yeah it's like it's like a whole i have a different quadrants in my soul and that's definitely a big one um but I spent a lot of time because of the muscle weakness um I would get pneumonia really easily 
So between the ages of five uh, up until I was about nine, I would have um, pneumonia once, twice a year. That would land me in the hospital. Um, The shortest hospital stay I ever had was three months. The shortest. Jesus, wow. The shortest. And the longest was seven months. Um, Oh, God. When I say I lived at a hospital, like. You weren't even kidding. You lived in a hospital. And, you know, I will never. There are some that I will always cherish the memories. Um. When I was five, I was put in a room with a cancer patient after I'd gotten over the pneumonia to help go and, um, you know, rehabilitate, got my strength back. Um, yeah. And this person taught me how to play poker for M&Ms. And I was like, this is my life. Amazing. Life. Yeah. So I do, I have some great memories. Um but when they did the, the spinal fusion, the pneumonia stopped. Um, you know, thank goodness. Nobody knows if that was because they corrected the scoliosis. Yeah. So it wasn't crushing my one lung anymore. Or if it's because the pneumonia vaccine came out. So either way, I was just thankful to stop with the pneumonias. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's probably a little bit of both. When I had, when I, when when my scoliosis was really bad, I remember a PT, my PT at the time, and I was like, I was 15, 16, and the PT said, "Well, you can keep twisting, but it's gonna crush your lung, and then you'll probably die. So surgery is the only option." And I was like, "Okay, that's all right. Yep, that's what we're doing. Then I guess that's exactly my parents said. Yeah." We don't want her to die, so we'll do the surgery. But I mean, I was 16 at the time, so I had, I was, you know, had had I done that surgery at nine, that was, I mean, it was such an ordeal that surgery. That surgery was like, I, I had the first surgery, and then I got infected two weeks later, and then I had oh, to go no. back in from debridement. It was that that surgery, and anyone who's listening who doesn't know what spinal fusion is, let us tell you. <laughs> They split um, you. They cut you right down your back. Yeah, they cut you right in your back, and they twist. They put metal rods in, which is great. Except, no one tells you about the excruciating motherfucking pain you're gonna feel when you wake up. <laughs> no one tells you that part. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I just remember that surgery being shit at sixteen. So I can't imagine it at nine. So I was such a naive little child. I wasn't really worried about the surgery so much. Um, I grew up in a working class family. My parents were in construction and um, they were also factory workers. So I know a lot about rebar and what rebar does. It rusts. So I cried before surgery because I thought my rods were going to fall. Oh no! Oh, but yeah. it makes sense. It makes sense. I thought it made sense to me too. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah, but I also, was not. But also adorable. <laughs> it was. I was not worried about you know the the how long it was going to be or 
that they were going to wake me up in the middle of surgery to sit me up to make sure that my ash cheeks were level, which is something they also don't always tell you about. Um, no, they didn't. I don't think they did that with mine. I don't remember that happening, but I was oh. probably very out of it. So they might have, but I doubt it. Um, it was so, and I remember just very little. Um, Autumn, we're just going to set you up. And I wasn't really even aware of what was going on. Um, Thank goodness. Yeah. But I was so, I was so worried I was going to rust out and they were going to have to replace them. <laughs> oh, that's so sad, but adorable. And I kind of love that story so much already. Um, you. Um, oh, so, I'm sorry. Let me finish. Yeah, I didn't answer your question. I'm so sorry. So okay. my final this, diagnosis. This whole podcast is all about tangents and we've done that already so much. It's great. It's fantastic. Goodness. Thank goodness. Um, so uh, in 2018, I ended up with a new neurologist, and he decided to do some very fancy genetic testing. Um, and I finally, you know, at the age of 37, count backwards, it's 30 something, finally have a diagnosis that I actually have a congenital myopathy, and it is on the RYR1 gene unfortunately there's five different they call them variants but i'm used to them being called the mutation um and variance I is a fun word right now in the world hey variance yes and uh so i have one of five of those variants on that gene but unfortunately they they still can't pinpoint it's like well at least i know that a congenital myopathy is what I have. Like, I appreciate the label. I hate labeling things, but now I can embrace it as part of my identity. Yeah. Um, one of the things you mentioned in the form when I, when we were figuring out what we're going to talk about today, you said you often feel like a fake disabled person. And I know so many people who I talk to on this show who are considering whether or not they feel disabled, um, or are, or are they allowed to claim disability as a title? They'll say the same thing to me. Like, I don't feel like I'm allowed to do this. I don't feel like I'm allowed to have this identity. What was that feeling like for you? What is What does being a fake disabled person feel like for you? So when I was a kid, um, my parents didn't treat me disabled. They didn't use the word disabled. They didn't... Um, you know, everybody had chores. I had modified chores. So, you know, for example, you can't lift a towel. You get to make the socks. We make sure that, you know, I was included, even for, you know, housework. And they didn't make me feel any different. So when I went to school, um, again, I didn't really feel different. But I would get really weak. So I had a manual wheelchair, um, and if I was tired, that's I would sit in the wheelchair to get to where I needed to be. Um, yep. So the first time I heard the word handicapped, I was in first grade. Then I went, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I am not handicapped. So uh, because, you know, I can still walk. I still do chores. 
I have to go to school and do homework. People who are handicapped, they don't have to do any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I ended up going to therapy uh, for about two years to work through that, be, to accept the fact that, yes, I am different because I just had no idea. Um, I was the only person in my school with a visible disability from kindergarten all the way up till I graduated. Um, it was, I never thought. All the way up to graduating high school? Thinking. Yeah. Wow, and, really, wow, really, really? Yeah. All the yeah, way up very, to, to high school. Yep. And I just, you know, the only other time there might be somebody with a, with a physical disability was if they broke their leg. Um, yeah. and then they needed to use the elevator. But I, I always felt like a fake, like a fraud. Like, oh, you can still move your legs. So how are you disabled? You're not. You're just a fake. Get up out of your chair and walk. And oh, oh, I had a lot. oh the um the negative self talk uh in my head is like a seventy year old NFL football coach. They ha- they have no no filter and no there's no room for weakness. Um so I went through a lot of like growing pains, just dealing with the fact that I didn't think I was disabled. So then I was just faking it. There had to be a way around it. And it took me a long time to get through that and realize that, you know, just because you don't have a label for your disability doesn't mean that it's not real. Yeah. And did the therapist help you? Like, how old were you when you went to a therapist to be like, I don't think that I'm disabled seven wow it's a prime grumpiness right there wow seven and did did the therapist help you at all come to terms with that or not really um a little bit uh i eventually just went along with what they said to get out of therapy and i would find a way to deal with it myself yeah like i don't need somebody to tell me how i'm feeling that's how it was when i was a kid it was like Suck it up, Tompkins. And uh, it's uh, just just one of those, like, this is a wait, an hour of my time. I'm never going to get back. Just go with what they say so you can go back to horseback riding. <laughs> uh, do, do you wish that your parents had addressed your disability when you were younger? Do you wish that they had, a, like, maybe they didn't have the, I don't know, but maybe they didn't have the the language themselves to talk to you about it. Do you wish they had? You know, I don't think I would grow up any differently because this made me the person I am today. I, my parents did the best they could. Um, When I was born, the doctors actually tried to get them to have me institutionalized. Whoa. Yeah. Say you don't have the, tools or the resources to take care of her um they even took them on a tour of an institution and my parents yeah my parents said i don't fucking think so we'll raise her just fine (laughs) thank god good for your parents good Yeah. yeah exactly they uh back then doctors were 
not so they didn't have as good a bedside manner as they do today. I don't do, think anyone do they do uh, they still have a good bedside manner? I, I, don't, uh, I don't really know either because my doctors are like the same age as I am now, so I'm like, hey, listen, I've been doing this as long as you have. Let's just be real. <laughs> I mean, I was in the hospital recently, and I don't think they have good bedside manner at all. No, no, no. Um, I wish they did, but at least they're not suggesting we go to institutions all the time. Sometimes they still do. I talked, I talked to some people a few, probably about a year ago, who told me that they're still, they're still being asked to go to nursing homes if they can't get get supportive housing, that kind of stuff. So it still happens all the time. Yeah, it's really, it kind of lights my ass on fire because um, with my situation and my insurance company that helps pay for my um, personal care assistance, yep. if I go over any more than, I think it's 65 hours of personal care a week, then they can recommend I go to an assisted living facility. And I would have to give up oh, all my freedoms. That's that. God damn it. That breaks my heart. That makes me just so angry. Cause like, just cause you need a little bit more, more help that week going pee or wiping your own ass doesn't mean you need to be put in a facility. That's exactly it. It's really, it annoys me so much because thankfully I have family. I have, a, they're my support system. So if I'm running low on hours, I can say, Hey, can so and so stop so I can go to the bathroom so I don't have to call somebody in? You know, and thank goodness they can help me. But eventually yeah. this is going to become more of a reality than I want it to be. And I think that's really scary. And I think that's something that we in the disability community, we all, and especially those of us who live in care systems, we know that that's reality. And we know that it's one pen stroke from some bureauc- from some like bureaucratic asshole who decided that they don't want to fund this anymore and we're all in institutions. Exactly. Like, and it can happen overnight just like that because somebody decided they didn't have the money for this or they didn't want to put the money down. And it just, it's so scary. It really is. And I don't think people realize that, you know, you put between a rock and a hard place because you need to care. But I absolutely refuse to give up my freedoms. Of course, and you shouldn't. You're allowed, like, like you're allowed to have you. Disabled people deserve freedom, and and you know our days are full of shit. Quite literally, some of us, and like full of disability stuff, and like the little moments that we get to have to do our stuff and do whatever the fuck we want are ours. And it just makes me. I could. I could. You couldn't see how riled up I am because it just makes me so angry. Like no, 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 no. Um. I don't even know what question that was in reference to, so I'm going to switch ahead to the next one. Um, one of the things you said in the question that struck me and that I wanted to talk to you about specifically was talk to me about online dating as a disabled person and being on people's bucket list. Oh, my God. It's... uh, So, I love doing social experiments. I recently had my human design chart read. Um, The human design chart basically tells you what kind of person you are 
and how you navigate the world. Um, this isn't something I would do for myself because I don't really believe in that stuff. Um, but someone I was working with said, we're going to have our human design charts read. So I said, okay, what's the worst that could happen? Well, I found out I'm a, what's called a three, five martyr heretic. I kind of identify with that because I will talk some shit and I will die on that hill of shit. I just talked. So, you know, like, don't <laughs> um, but the person who read our charts said what that actually means is you're a teacher and an experimenter. And so you kind of navigate the world through trial and error, and you have to cope with the projections of others. Then I said, well, shit, that is me. I like to experiment with everything. So I said, this gives me permission to experiment by trying a dating app. And what a shit show that's been. I mean, right? Yep. So I so I joined in August and I ended up matching with a lot of guys. And I decided that I was going to do some what I call Tinder hot takes and just let people know what the dating app is all about and what certain people think they can get away with saying to other people. Uh, You know, I've had people say, oh, well, you shouldn't drink caffeine. They they just pass judgment, you know? Oh, what are you wearing? It's like, listen, I, I really don't, I don't know how people deal with this. So I went and went on a couple of different dates, one for coffee, one for pizza, um, one we just hung out in a park. It was very nice. But unfortunately, when you get down to it, some of the people who matched me, it openly admitted that having sex with a disabled lady was on their bucket list. Oh, no. And I was like, if I was a different kind of person, I would help you with your bucket list. But I'm not like that. I don't share my energy like that. I'm being put in a vulnerable position like yeah. that. Extremely vulnerable. Not happen. Like, thank you for your honesty, but we ain't fucking sorry. So what? You're just eating pizza, and then all of a sudden he's like, you know, you're on my bucket list. Like, what do you? How, how does that conversation get started? Oh no, uh, this wasn't the pizza dude. This was the park dude. And uh, I went, well, you know, this, this is kind of fun. We've been having fun. And he said, well, yeah, but I really should be honest with you. Oh, God. And, you. and he just spilled his guts. And it's like, thank you for your honesty. I'm going to leave now. Like, oh, I no. Like, yeah. like, that's so hard. Because I will say, there is a power in being someone's first cripple that they fuck. It's really fun and it's really powerful. And I get some sort of sick and twisted pride out of doing it. I do. But 
I've never had someone look me in the eye and be like, you're on my bucket list. And I think if someone looked me in the eye before I did it and told me that, I'd be like, I gotta go. Like, no, I gotta, I gotta leave here. This is too weird. It, it really is. And, uh, so now I have to like pre-qualify people. If we're gonna have, go have coffee or go hang out, like, you know, can you be honest about what your intentions are? Like, are you just looking for friends? What's going on? And some of them will say, well, you're, you're just on my bucket list. It's like, just like that. Yeah. And I, like, wow. Oh my God. Like, is it really? I'm glad I asked you, but, um, you do realize I'm, I'm not going to help you with that. And I'm also right here and I can hear everything you look, well, you just, you told me that. Yeah. Wow. It's the, this online dating is, uh, sometimes it's more than I can handle. Oh, I can. And I'm glad I look at it as like, it's an experiment, Autumn. You're not going to find your, your forever person on Tinder. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, I know. No, no. But. You will find guys who openly tell you you're on their bucket list. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's just like, no, 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 no. Um, wow. Don't do that. People, if you're listening, don't tell the disabled person that you're on their bucket list. Don't tell any marginalized person you're on their bucket list. It makes us feel super weird. It does. And I, you know, but I'm kind of like you because I was like, well, this could be fun. Let me help you check things off your bucket list. But then you go, bottom, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Not I that, yeah. I mean, but I totally you, can do, it, you can do it once to be like, it's hot. And then also after that, you're like, oh, okay, no. Yeah, exactly. No, it gets icky it after that. like a grocery list. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be on your grocery list. I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> um. <laughs> One of the things you mentioned in your forum that really kind of touched me, and I would love to really go into a big discussion on this with you. You said that you feel unworthy of love and intimacy as a disabled person. And that struck me because I feel that way a lot of the times too. But I'm wondering for you, why do you feel that way? So I... Growing up and dealing with what I would dealt with and coming from such a small community it was like a a taboo I was uh you know I had a certain group of friends my best friend we've been best friends for uh, almost 30 years now and you know I had friends they included me they wanted to do things with me but nobody ever looked at me like I was a desirable person. They never were like, oh, let's go make out. Um, me too. I, never, I know, I know, I know. Me too, me too. I, and I just, again, it's a whole other mindset thing that I have to work through. But you go, you got crooked fucking eyes. You're in a goddamn wheelchair. You're about 70 pounds soaking wet. Nobody is going to want to fuck a stick figure. So you, I have all this 
like negative self-talk that it just makes me feel um, unworthy. We need to switch your, you said that you're like your negative self-talk person is a 70 year old, like baseball coach. We need to switch him to make it like a really cool best friend in a wheelchair who like loves you and wants to just help you through all the stuff. Exactly. I, I am just so, I feel stuck sometimes. And, you know, I went to college. I went with, you know, a big university. I uh, met all kinds of people from all walks of life. But even then, I didn't put myself out there. I didn't make myself available because I still had that small town mindset. What small town are you from? Um, I'm from a place called Lakeside, Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. So you're not too far from Toronto. I mean. No, not too far. I I was from a small town outside of Toronto, too. So, like, and, you know, I understand feeling like you're not worthy enough and feeling like you're not good enough. And when I went to high school and stuff, I didn't put myself out there either. I I stayed home a lot, went to the bookstore alone on Friday nights. Like, I wasn't a cool kid at all. And so, like, I know the feeling of, like, no one... I know the, in, the inner voice of, like, I'm 37 now and I still have the voice that tells me no one's going to want you. No one, you, no one wants to spend any time with you. You're gross. Why, who, why would anybody want to get to know you? Why would anyone? So I totally understand that voice. And it's a fucking journey to try to change that voice around. Absolutely. I mean, I even went through, um, oh gosh, it's got to be 10 years old now. And it's called the I Love Myself Manifesto. And it's just a Google Doc. But I wrote down everything I hated about myself. And tried to make it a positive so that I could help, you know, like turn my mindset around. Like, yeah, you're a good person. You're funny. Your crooked eyes make you more of a character. <laughs> I love and, it. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you, the rods in your back, you're just a transformer. That's what I tell my <laughs> niece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I got a reverse zipper. Well, and, the next uh, time, the next time a guy tells you that he's on his, that he's on your, that you're on his bucket list, you could say, well, you're going to have to ride me like a transformer then. There you go. Oh my goodness. But yeah, it's just, you know, trying to, um, extra myself with someone and being, you know, I call them my partner, what I want as a partner and crime a long-term you know like I don't want to say ride or die but a long-term person standing next to me who's like yeah we're gonna do this together we're gonna live life together what are your thoughts on dating another disabled person you know if it if personalities match that would be fine because I know a bunch of disabled people who are just as wry as you. That <laughs> probably get along so well. That's exactly it. I'm, I'm open to every conversation because I've, I'm just that kind of person. I want to know everyone. I want to know what they're feeling. I want to know what they're thinking. And if we match up, I don't really care 
what you are, how you identify. And I think that's, I think that's awesome. But I think what I think struck me was like the feelingness of unworthiness and the feelingness of not being worthy of love and intimacy like that. When I read that at first, and then when I read it again this morning, it broke my heart. I was like, oh, that's just because so many disabled people listening are listening, going, you know what? I feel the same way. I don't feel worthy of love. I don't deserve intimacy. And, you know, because we don't see sexy stick figures in wheelchairs <laughs> in the media, like, of course you would have, you have no frame of reference to be like, that's me. That's exactly it. And it's what's really problematic is that even in this day and age, there's no mainstream representation of people in wheelchairs being sexually desirable. I'll say it again. There's no mainstream representation of people. I'll qualify it better. There's no mainstream representation of people in power chairs looking for sexuality. There's like one or two shows that do it really well. Shout out to like sex education with, you know, with George. He's amazing. Like he does it really well. But again, that's one in a a bunch of shows that don't have that. I wish... And I just did an episode that came out as we're recording this. It came out like yesterday, but I did an episode of all the cripples that I want on TV. And I did a whole episode where I talk about like, I want wheelchair users in a big, in a big flashy soap opera. I want wheelchair users in like a teen drama. I want wheelchair users in all these different formats to be like, we exist and we deserve to be everywhere. Exactly. So on that note, if you could, um, if you could like create a character, a version of you, and pop her, pop her in a show, who would you? Who would it be? Oh my goodness, putting me on the spot like, like that. Um, I watch a lot of TV and movies because I read a lot for work. So when I have downtime, I don't want to read. Um, yeah. I want to watch. Um, gosh, you know, I don't really. I don't really know what kind of character I would be, but I would like her to have a little bit of Karen from Will and Grace. <laughs> um, I would like to get that. Um, and, you know, just someone with a lot of snark, uh, because that would be me, but someone who also cares, like, I, I just... could see you as like, do you remember the show from like like 15 years ago? That show, Veronica Mars? Yes. I could see you if they recast that with a with a lead wheelchair using actress. Like, there you go. You're you're her basically. Like I I could see you doing that. Um and just being like a snarky like detective who's like, I don't have time for your shit. Let's go solve this case. That would that would be actually sounds pretty perfect because I just I I don't know about you uh, with your disability, but with me, I end up going and being like, I have a bullshit meter, you know, a mile long. And I can see through your nonsense. Well, can't we just get to work and do what we're supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you would be really great for like a gritty crime drama. And you like, they could pair you with somebody who was more aloof. And you'd be the one, you'd be the one that's like, fuck off. Let's, let's, you know, let's go do it. Like, I can totally see you in like a, a CSI reboot as like the one that says the really cool one liner at the end. Like, yeah, looks like the body. 
whatever and then they do the theme music and then they go but like i could totally see that that would be so fun um somebody cast that shit or maybe you maybe you could just copyright it into an ad for somebody and there you go uh, that would be that's true i mean there the, and also like we need power wheelchair users in commercials we need power wheelchair and you're a power wheelchair user right yeah yeah yes yeah so we need we need them in all those places. So you should just you should just copyright yourself into commercials. And be like, here's why I'd be great. That's exactly. I I watch a lot of um, you know, like I joke that I know I'm going to hell, and I'm okay with that. Oh, I have a first class um, ticket there. Yeah, like, I, yeah. That's exactly. I am like, nope, I ain't going into heaven. They don't want me there. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I'll go downstairs and we'll be okay. Um, so I watch a lot of like horror movies or a lot of medical stuff and I go, you know, like they're doing it wrong. This isn't how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. You know, like, no, you're summoning a demon. I just hope it's not me when I get down there. <laughs> a wheelchair using demon would be fucking incredible. Can, can be- somebody write that character, please? <laughs> yes, please. I would, um, would totally watch that show. I would 100% watch that, and I would give you money to produce that show. I'd be like, yeah, that's great. Um, one of the things you mentioned in your questionnaire that I also want to touch on, similarly to like why you don't feel worthy for intimate touch, which again is bullshit because you deserve it, but why is pleasurable touch difficult for you? Oh my goodness. Okay, so what I have, you know, like personal assistance help me I can't do things like get dressed um I can't wash my hair in the shower because I don't have the strength um or get on and off the toilet so someone has to help me um but every day I wake up you know like I'm 37 we're on day like almost 14,000 and I wake up and I go you know every morning I go to battle because when people help you there's always going to be an unfortunate accident, a scratch with a nail, a scratch with a ring. Um, like this morning, I got accidentally hit in the head with the hairdryer. You know, like, <laughs> no, nobody means to hurt you. No, of course not. So I literally get up every day and go to battle, and I cringe because it's like, brace yourself, Autumn. You're going to get scratched. You're going to end up with a black and blue. You're going to end up hurting something. Now, because and... of your myopathy, do you bruise easier? Yeah, I do. Yeah, okay. and uh, okay. I've been sitting in a wheelchair now uh, 28 years, and my circulation is terrible. Thank so yep. I always end up with a bruise somewhere. That or like... Only- that fun game where you're like, oh, it's almost a bed sore, but it's not, but it could be, and I don't know what to do with that. That's exactly. Um, I have thankfully, thankfully avoided um, bed sores. Me too. I don't know how. I don't know how the fuck I have, but I've been lo- really lucky in that I've never had one, but I've been right up the edge where I almost could have one, and then I didn't. <laughs> That's exactly. Um or like me, I ended up with an ingrown hair on my thigh. And all of a sudden, there's this 
it feels like a watery blister. I'm like, what the fuck is this on my leg? And it's on the side of my leg, nowhere near my cushion. And I end up having to go to the doctor because it's like a bed sore. Yeah. And it's like, how did I get that? And my doctor goes, well, there's no pressure marks. The only thing we can think is that you had an ingrown hair. And it's like, this is some bullshit. I know. You know, like, yeah. I, I've avoided anything like that for decades. And, and it's so scary because something as simple as that can like turn into something really serious and then it's over. Like, it's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, you end up with sepsis and, you know, That's here's it. your grave. But so I just, you know, I go, people want to hug you or, and you go like, brace for impact, Autumn. They might not mean it, but somebody's going to hit you in the ear or whack you on the chin or, you know, something like that. <laughs> or unintentionally beat you with a, with a hairdryer. P.S. Yeah. P.C.A. Exactly. Don't, don't beat your clients with hairdryers, please. That's not how care works. Exactly. And so it's like, you know, so when someone, you know, touches in a pleasurable way, and you go, nope, rejected that it's supposed to hurt all the time. Someone is supposed to not intentionally hurt you, but they're going to hurt you. So you so, can't even, so like the idea of, and I'll be really blunt here, the idea of like some dude like fucking you is scary because you can't even consider that it's pleasurable because your body braces for impact of like, this is going to hurt. Exactly. Oh That's man. Exactly. Yeah. And I go like, oh no, somebody wants to kiss me. No, this should hurt. Oh no, I want to find a way to like make that not make you not feel that way, but I totally understand why. But also, like, do you think because I've talked to other people on the show who've said like sometimes the pain, like if they if they regulate the pain themselves, if they got into like kink and pain play and regulated it themselves with like safe words and stuff, they could get over that. Do you think that's something you could want to you might want to try? You know, I'm always open to everything. So I, you know, I didn't even think about that. But it, it's one of those things that I, because of my respiratory issues, yeah, I've never been allowed to have the good drugs. Uh-huh. Oh, no. <laughs> well, like, I... What's the best kind of, on, what's the best kind of drug? That you, what are you allowed? Uh, Tylenol. No! <laughs> I... <laughs> I'll tell you, I had, when I was nine years old, the day of when I came out of my back surgery was in recovery. I got to have fentanyl, a small dose. And I will never forget, they said, you know, count backwards or whatever. And I went three, two, one. And I was in like what I felt was utter bliss. Uh, I was in no pain. I was just laying there and I went to sleep. And then I stopped breathing. Uh. And they said, (laughs) you don't get ever again. And I went, oh, great. So I just get Tylenol after I had my back ripped open. Oh, God. No, I and I know that pain and I cannot. 
Oh, yep. I cannot, I do not think I would have survived if I just had Tylenol. Yeah, so I, I end up with a high threshold for pain. But I, it's one of those, like, why can't I have the good drugs? Yeah. Like, intubate me, let me have a little of the good stuff, and then I'll be okay for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. But I can imagine how stressful that would be, like, if you want to hug somebody or you want to show intimacy. So no wonder you feel like you're not worthy of love because you're like, every time somebody went to hug me, they would hurt me and then feel bad about themselves and wouldn't want to hug me again. No one, like, it makes sense. Yep. Yep. And, you know, the only, I gotta tell you, though, my, I have a niece and a nephew, and they're so good about it. They're so, you know, they don't come in hot and fast. They go, they call me A or AA um, for Aunt Autumn. And they're always so. Oh, AA, I like that. I, I think of it like Alcoholics Anonymous, but, you know, like, yeah. After I'm with you for a couple hours, I could use a drink. But um, <laughs> <laughs> they're good. They're good kids, you know, or if they're really in a hurry, they'll call me A. And it's like, you know, people out in public are going to think you're Canadian. Yeah. Please call me AA. Um, I mean, we Canadians are pretty great. We're pretty awesome. That's exactly. That's what I've heard. Um, but yeah, so I just, I make an exception for kids because I know they absolutely have no idea. Um, yeah, of course some not. Adults, yeah, but some adults, it's like, I'm not hugging you. I only hug my grandmother if I have to. Like, knock it off. Well, maybe you need to date a big kid then. That's exactly it. Maybe you need to find a guy who's a big, goofy kid and is like... But I do think, you know, what you're saying about the fear of being hurt it also, I think a lot of non-disabled people need to learn about the power of touch and how, like, for me, I love the idea of being touched. But I can understand if you're constantly in battle mode of, like, I'm going to get hurt today, I wouldn't want to be touched either. Totally not. So, like, I think non-disabled people that we interact with need to understand the power of that, of being touched and what it means for us. Yeah, it really, I mean, some days I could be having a good day. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, great. I just turned my knee the wrong way. And this is going to hurt for the rest of the day. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole idea of, like, a bunch of sexy positions with somebody is terrifying for you. Because you're like, I'm just going to hurt myself. Yeah. And it's like, I can do that all by myself. I don't need anybody's help, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what kind of sex... What kind of like sex or intimacy would you want to have with somebody if you could? What I really like is just long makeout sessions. Right? They're, they That's are my favorite. Me too. They're pretty much my favorite thing to do. Just like put your mouth in my mouth and let's go to down. Yeah. And if I'm not laughing, I'm not having a good time. So like I have terrible indigestion sometimes. And the, uh, this one time, I was making out with somebody, and I said, "Hold on." Oh, I'm and so scared. Did you? Did you? <laughs> I went out the biggest burp ever, and we laughed for about ten minutes over it. I had the best time. It was so fun. If I'm not laughing, see, I'm not having fun. See, but that 
that is that to me is intimacy too. Like that making out with somebody is super intimate. So maybe, maybe like it's just helping you get to a place where maybe you should copyright a commercial where somebody in a in a wheelchair like like makes out with somebody or does all the touchy things that you're afraid to do. And maybe if you make that into an ad for yourself, like maybe that'll give you something to help you like get over that fear a little bit. That's a great idea. And I also think, like I said earlier, I think the I think the kink and pain discussion. I know a lot of people in the kink community who would t- with disabilities who would tell you um, that if when they can control the pain and they decide how it hurts and how the pain is controlled, their their disability pain goes away. That is pretty cool. So, like, maybe that's an option for you. Maybe it's like. And yeah, again, you don't have to do it overnight, and you definitely don't have to do it with one of the guys that's like, "I'm on your, you're on my bucket list." Yeah. But when you when you find somebody who's not a douchebag, <laughs> maybe explain for that. That's exactly it. I just oh well, and I got to tell you too, I ended up making two of them who I thought were decent people, um, really making them kind of mad because. You know, when I talk with people, I tell them um, I talk shit about people on this app, uh, you know, doing Tinder hot takes. And, <laughs> and they got really mad. And it's like, I thought you, the two of them were decent people. I would never share our conversations. Yeah. You know, you're not a douchebag. You haven't said anything that would make me, you know, roll my eyes and want me to make a video but you're really offended by what I say you have no uh sense of humor you would be okay with someone saying this to you yeah no you really wouldn't so why are you having a fit that I do yeah like why do they why do they expect us to have this just because we have titanium in our backs doesn't mean we have the fucking strongest backbone ever it's not super nice to say to somebody hey you're on my bucket list like no that's That's, exactly it's not a sexy compliment we don't like it no and then it makes you go back to this old way of thinking like they're just trying to make you think that you need to be thankful that they even wasted their time talking to you oh i'm so sorry that the internalized ableism is so strong on there because it is for me too and i totally get that feeling and i like me at 2 a.m when i go to bed alone by myself and i want somebody there that's I get that voice in my head too. So I get it. And I hate that it's just as strong for you as it is for me. <laughs> like, wow. It's just so, it's just so upsetting because I'm sure there are disabled people listening that are like, oh, me too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all in this together. And uh, the, the ableism that goes on, it starts in our own heads. And it's 100%. really, yep. it's horrible. Because we're good people. We deserve everything that able-bodied people have and can do. We deserve more. Yep. I'm just going to say it. We deserve. I'm kidding here. I'm kidding here, everybody. But I'm going to say it anyway. Disabled people are better than you. Um, (laughs) But for all those there that are getting ready to write me emails and write me tweets, I was a joke. It was a joke. Don't worry. Um. I ran out of our questions for today. 
Autumn, but I had so, so, such a fun time chatting with you. Is there anything else that I missed or anything else you want to chat about? Um, I don't think so. I had a great time. Thank you for laughing with me and at me times too. Because, <laughs> because I have this philosophy. If I can't make fun of myself, I, I can't do it to anybody else. So I have to, you know, like, ha ha ha, look at you, you little cripple. That's what I have to say sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's what, I mean, sometimes. So one day I was going and uh, driving in my wheelchair, and I actually had a tire fall off. And oh, no. I landed on my side. Oh, God, it was so funny. And I, the first thing I thought was like, ha-ha, you crippled too bad. Nobody caught that on camera. <laughs> I did that once when I was in college, probably about 10 years ago. I was in, in my college town and it was like three in the morning and I was going somewhere to like get my dick sucked or suck a dick or something. I was going somewhere and I was walking home from there and my tire, my front tire fell off and I it, I fell on my side. The chair didn't fall, but, but I, it fell a little bit and mm-hmm. people saw me fall and they were like, Oh no, what do we do? And I was like, um, uh, uh, and I didn't have a phone and I called the police and the police were like, they got, they came to me and they were like, we don't know how to help you. Do you have a carer with you? And I was like, no, no, I don't. Like, can you get me back to my house? And so they put me in a cab, a wheelchair cab. We were lucky to get one at three in the morning. And they, the the guy brought me back to my house and he was like, are you paying me? And I was like, no, the police commandeered your vehicle. You're dropping me off and letting me go home. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I too at that moment was like, oh, fuck you, crippled. Of course this would happen to you. Yeah, that's exactly. I just, you know, some of the things about I just have to laugh because if I don't, I would get really mad. Well, I think your Tinder hot takes. You should call them your cripple hot takes. Your cripple Tinder takes. I don't know. We'll be as a copywriter. As a as a copyright editor, you can like sure to come up with a cool name, but like you should make that a brand because it's hilarious. People need to. People need to like see more of that that's awesome but i just had so much fun chatting with you and talking through some of our experiences together and it was just so fun um how can the people if they want to follow you if they want to support you if they want to hire you how do they get a hold of you so uh they can visit my website grumpygrammarian.com uh g-r-u-m-p-y g-r-a-m-m-a-r-i-a-n grumpygrammarian.com I'm also on Instagram at Grumpy Grammarian and also TikTok at Grumpy Grammarian. So it's all kind of lined up for you. It's all one spot, folks. But seriously, go and go and follow Autumn. She says some really, really important stuff. And just from this chat alone, like I'm going to recommend you to everyone because it was so fun to sit down with you and just have a laugh and just be with another cripple who has been through some shit. So (laughs) thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate our time together. It was such a good chat. And we'll talk soon, okay? Yes. Thanks. Bye. Take care. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark in the books. Thank you so much for making this episode comfy, cozy, and crippled. And I hope you enjoyed sitting down with your favorite disabled person on the internet and talking all things disability. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my website, andrewgerza.com, or you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza1. 
If you want to be on the show, you can, of course, email us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com with your disability story. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to support Disability After Dark, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month up to $5 a month or more, or even a yearly amount if that works for your budget. We at Disability After Dark, me, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for supporting this show and Cripple Co. and all the things we do. And tune in next week when we shine a light on another disability story right here on Disability After Dark. Bye, friends! Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.